from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, December 20th, 2019. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee, here in Nashville, Tennessee, getting ready for Christmas. Meanwhile, in Florida, where Christmas never comes because it's too <laughs> hot. It's There's no winter. It's just hot it was and like terrible, and there's no holidays. It was like 60 yesterday. <laughs> It's like 60 yesterday. That is as cold as it gets yeah, in Orlando, Florida, <laughs> where my where uh, my friend keeping us from going into the ditch over there. Chandler String is with us. Hey, Chandler. Hello. And meanwhile, up there, I don't really know what Christmas is like in Loveland, Virginia. I've never even <laughs> been to Loveland, Virginia. I don't. I imagine they celebrate Christmas, but I don't think it has that the like winter cheer that um, most people associate with the holidays. It's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. It is it, this morning in Virginia Beach. It was 27 degrees, though. Or a couple days earlier, cool. it was in the 60s. So we're wow. kind of all over the place. We're down. yeah, we're. You know, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's tough. It's tough. So and is there a lot of like that kitschy, like Santa and board shorts type stuff around there? That oh, people yeah. Do, Santa like, with a surfboard. <laughs> all that surfboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like that's such an interesting like counter narrative to the idea that I have of Santa Claus. Although like, he can't stay in the North Pole all year long. I guess he's yeah, got to get mean, around. Everybody needs a vacation every once in a while. <laughs> You know, and he's got yeah. and he's got a way to travel. He's, yeah, yeah, he can go anywhere he wants. Hey, dude, <laughs> so we got there is a lot of content on today's show. We we don't even have time to banter. We've got to get going. I, well, this, okay, we here's got the too much stuff. This this rundown I'm looking at is very long. Traditionally, the relevant podcast has kind of uh, gone dark during the holidays because um, yeah, it's a busy time. The office shuts down. Not only do we have a packed show this week, we we're, when we are only doing one show next week because of Christmas, but. I'm going to tease out. Can I tease out Tyler who we have next next week? Next week? Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll get to this week. But you don't need we don't, trust us. This episode is going to be good. We got a lot we got a lot to get to. But go ahead and, and let them know. Just 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 dangle the carrot in front of them for what next Listen, week is going to after, be. After like. after Christmas, you're still hanging out, you're probably still on vacation or you're traveling back home or you need a little break from your parents' house. Corey Asbury is joining us. Uh, for the whole show, he's going to guest host with us. And Tyler, you recently sat down with the 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 one, the only, the the living legend Greta Gerwig, the oh filmmaker. Oh, wow. And uh, we have an interview with Greta Gerwig. We have Corey Asbury uh, join us. Tyler made Greta Gerwig cry, and you're going to hear did that. Not, that's not fake. <laughs> I wonder what people saying. Tyler Huckman made Greta Gerwig cry. She did get a little misty at one point, but I don't think it was anything. I don't think I insulted her art. Yeah. Well, uh, so <laughs> it was a very, it was a very hostile interview. No, no. Uh, but we have Greta Gerwig. We have Greta Gerwig. Completely normal sized, <laughs> average sized women. It's just called little women, okay? Just uh, call it women. <laughs> so we have Greta Gerwig, Corey Asbury join us for the whole show. By the way, I don't want to give too much away about next week. We haven't even talked about what's coming up this week. But uh, Corey Asbury, there's been a major development with his Chick-fil-A black card that I have oh, talked to him right. about. And Tyler, I think I've told you, you about this. You mentioned this. this to me, and this is this is a scandal. We're going to be breaking. There this is, is a huge scandal involving Corey. I talked to me and Corey talked a, a few weeks ago about something unrelated, and we got. I asked him about his Chick-fil-A black card, which which we've talked about extensively on this podcast. How he holds a card that entitles him to free Chick-fil-A for life. Very uh, cool. There has been a major change 
in Corey was blindsided by a policy change involving <laughs> his black card. And uh, we've already said uh, too much. We've, we've already, already said, said too, much. too much. We'll have him talk about it. But let's just say this. Another very <laughs> popular casual dining chain has stepped in and given Corey uh, some pretty some pretty interesting nice. swag. So we'll talk. We'll talk with him. We've got to grow away. T- t- tell him who's coming up today on the show. Today this is, a is a bit. Oh, this is a good one. We've got a lot of it. first up uh, coming at us. We're going to be talking to Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. Price is an actor you're probably familiar with if you watch Game of Thrones. He's the High Sparrow. He's on Pirates of the Caribbean. He is also the star of net, the new Netflix movie, The Two Popes, in which he plays Pope Francis. We talked to him about that experience. And that's not all. We also got Bethany Phillips and Marquita Anthony of Highlands Worship. They've got a new Christmas EP. It's called Shine Heaven's Light. We'll hear some tracks from that release. We talk into that. This is, this is, we, we usually don't, it's usually one special guest. Uh, this time we have three. We were going to have four. Prop was going to be on with us today. But he called this morning. He said he can't even talk. He's got some sort of throat bug. Prayers up for Prop. I was talking, I was texting when he was going to join us today. Um, uh, uh, that was the plan, and yeah, he's he's very ill. Prayers up. He he he's having yeah. He's got a. Uh, he, he said he can barely speak because he's so hoarse. So, uh, unfortunately, did you talk to him us. or was this a text? Was this a text? This conversation? was a text chain. But can I read so you we his? Don't te- know. Can I read you his text that I that he sent me at okay. six thirty this morning? He said. Okay. I'm sounding, I'm still sounding like I smoke six packs a day. Sorry, bro. I just can't talk today. So prayers up for prop, hmm. uh, um, uh, fighting that, that, that winter illness. And Chandler was barely able to make it this morning. He was putting his finishing touches, uh, uh, uh late, uh, last night on, I think, I think it was around like 4 30, uh, in the afternoon. Chandler's working hard, about to hit publish on a piece about why he supports Trump's removal from office. <laughs> suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> when suddenly another one got published and all that work went down uh, the drain. All that work went down the drain. Chandler's, Chandler's, editor- Chandler's editorial got scooped. Beat me to it. So he had a long night. He was very upset about that. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. So all sorry, that to sorry, say, Chandler. I'm busy. Sorry, it's a good piece. It's it a was good, good piece. It was it. a good piece. Um, it was thoughtful, had moral clarity. <laughs> I, I appreciated it. It really would have inspired me. He was nation. literally about to click publish. Uh, when his Twitter feed blew up with with another very very similar take, so sorry Chandler, it happens, man. All hey, due respect to our colleagues. <laughs> Proud sorry of Chandler, I know it was a real bummer. I know you were excited to have uh, the president call you ET uh, to insult you on Twitter, but uh, I'm sure you'll have an opportunity for our commander in chief to lob personal insults. Where is a badge of honor? Chandler's Chandler's piece also had had. It, irrefutable evidence of Russia meddling in the election, <laughs> which is part of the reason that we're not going to publish it with we can't uh, Christine I mean, today. We're not going to do that to our colleagues over at CT. But Chandler has actually been spending a significant amount of time uh, undercover in Ukraine and Russia uh, and has stunning, stunning evidence. But again, the right thing to do is let CT have their moment. Yeah, absolutely. Chandler will be releasing his findings in a 700 part tweet thread later today. (laughs) Extremely excited to wade into that one. (laughs) My one piece of advice when I was reading over the tweet thread uh, was to cut back on the he every other tweet was that Antonio Banderas gif where he like closes a laptop and pulls his hair back and just go and you can just see him go ooh yeah like that was most of the 700 tweets was that Antonio Banderas gif so 
It's a different take. Um, but uh, sorry, yeah, Chandler, it's not the it same thing. It's not the same thing as the CT piece, but it's definitely very interesting in its own way. Yeah, it's sort of for the thread. Zoomer, for the for Generation Z. Yeah, yeah. Be for the Zoomer <laughs> it was the Z take. It was the Z take. So that's okay. That's okay. It's uh, you know, it's, it's Chandler was so distraught. He spent the night. He 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 blasted through an, an entire half liter of jelly bean flavored vape juice and just was. <laughs> distraught he was very nauseous this morning that's why we got that's you know so anyway anyway it's a lot of drama around here but uh we got a lot to get to we got a lot to get to. we got a lot to get to today yeah we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're doing the hot list every every if we pop up in your city we gonna shut it down i gotta rep the squad even if i'm out of town my circle extra small yeah we don't play around you know how we do it every every time Every time, yeah, every, we are every not time. the same as a disconnect. Uh, These rappers buying chains with chains around their neck. Whoa. I do it for the people who got nothing left. And if I did it for the money, I would probably You're listening to Every Time by the Social Club Misfits. Not the only time we're going to be hearing about Social Club Misfits in this podcast today. Yeah. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Golden by Harry Styles. All right, oh man, this is going to be quite a hot list. There's a lot, there alert, a lot of big things happen this week. A lot of kind of dense things happen this week. Yeah, uh, but that, but but we'll do our best to handle this with the usual wit and and dexterity and sensitivity that you expect from this podcast. It's time for it's the hot list. The hot list. It's just number five. There is a moving short documentary about Fern from Social Club Misfits going to prison and rediscovering his faith. We're big fans of Social Club Misfits yeah. on this podcast. They've joined us many times. I really appreciate their their music, their artistry, and also just their voice. And uh, and the YouTube channel, This Is Me TV, released a powerful short doc about the life of Fern, whose real name is Fernando Miranda. Even though Fern is the son of a pastor, when he started finding success in the music industry, he became addicted to cocaine. After becoming involved in the world of drugs, he got arrested and was sentenced to three years in prison. Here's a clip of the doc. 98, 99, I was already rapping. I was all over the radio stations around here. And uh, out of Hollywood, me and my boys were the main ones. Nobody, nobody was doing what we were doing. I get in my car, pick up all my friends. It was a mobile studio and we would just drive around and we would smoke and we would rap. We all had big hopes and dreams. Along with that came, you know, us not going to college. With that came the nightlife, you know, we started getting high. The drug of choice for me that got me in trouble was cocaine. I started hanging out with people that were using it, and then I start using it. Once I start using it, the problem is you get hooked. Along with addiction comes need. You start to sell a little bit, and you know what? At the end of the day, it's just to like feed your hunger. Little did I know it would be the biggest mistake of my life. This this was such a cool... It, the documentary, the whole thing's only like 15 minutes. Uh, we embedded it yeah. over at, um, at relevantmagazine.com. Um, yeah, obviously hat tip to this is me TV. Uh, it's, it's a really well done thing, but there's a point in the documentary where, you know, you know, Fern walks, he had walked away from the faith he grew up with. He, he, he is, you know, getting involved in cocaine and selling cocaine and, and addicted to cocaine. And he talks about going to a drug deal and, uh, you know, something feels off and fishy about it, but you know, his addiction kind of clouds his judgment even further and he does the deal and he pulls out and uh, he had just signed that week 
a a record deal with Sony with Sony Music. And wow. that contract was in his glove box. He says he sees these SUVs pull up behind him. They pull him mm. over. The cops are searching the car. Obviously, that it was part of a setup. And yeah. he said he's in handcuffs. And the cops, uh, as they're searching the car, find the record contract in the glove box and start gloating, saying, look, guys, we just found a rapper. He literally just signed a contract. And they looked at him and said, hey, guess, guess the music career is over, huh? Uh, that, wow. I mean, what a story. And so he ends up going to prison, you know, rediscovering his faith. I, I, I don't want to give too much away. If you're a fan of social club, even if you're not, it's, it's a fantastic story. Fern's an incredible guy. We're big fans of the music, but check out this doc. It, it, like I said, it's short. You can watch it on your lunch break. Um, it's very cool. Uh, a very cool story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really, really enjoyed a good find and, and, uh, and really cool. Not an easy thing to talk about for sure. Yeah. Like I, I think yeah. we, I think we forget how hard it is. It's like, no one likes to talk about addiction or going to jail. Like that's not a, that's not yeah. a fun thing to do, but so powerful to, and he, and he to spent a thousand days. He spent a thousand days in prison. Yeah. I mean, almost three yeah. years behind bars. So it's yeah. a crazy wow. story, but definitely check it out. Uh, coming to number four this week, Chandler, I don't mean to be insensitive, but, but we do need to talk about this a little bit more. Faith leaders are reacting to Christianity Today's editorial calling for Trump to be removed from office. So, as I'm sure most people who listen to this podcast are aware, on Thursday night, Evangelical Standard Bearer Christianity Today, which is founded by the late Reverend Billy Graham, published a stunning editorial calling for President Donald Trump to be removed from office. Outgoing CT Editor-in-Chief Mark Galley called Trump, quote, a near-perfect example of a human being who is morally lost and confused in the editorial, which drew so many clicks that their website crashed for a few minutes. Galley went on to say, whether Mr. Trump should be removed from office by the Senate or by popular vote next election, that is a matter of prudential judgment. That he should be removed, we believe, is not a matter of partisan loyalties, but loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. The editorial drew an enormous amount of attention, not the least of which came from its newly impeached subject, President Trump, who called CT on Twitter, quote, a far left magazine and referred to it as <laughs> E.T. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> CT, you know, yeah, yeah, those, those, those commies, our comrades, I said colleagues, oh, our yeah. comrades over at CT. This <laughs> The proletariat rising up against the... Against the <laughs> Uh, uh, the president tweeted quote a far left magazine or very progressive as some would call it i guess which has been doing poorly and hasn't been involved with the billy graham family for many years christianity today knows nothing about reading a perfect transcript of a routine phone call and would rather have a radical left non-believer who wants to take your religion and your guns than donald trump as your president no president has done more for the evangelical community and it's not even close You'll not get anything from those Dems on stage. I won't be reading E.T. again. <laughs> can, can I issue one? I know there's more context to the story, but I just want to issue one quick correction before we go further. If if President, I don't know if President Trump understands the impeachment hearings, because if he's impeached and removed from office, uh, the vice president, Mike Pence, becomes president. They don't automatically <laughs> install whoever this person is that wants to. I mean, is he saying Mike Pence wants to take your religion and your guns? Because uh, I, that's how my understanding of the removal process works. I don't think they just pick a random 
person from a different political party. I'm pretty yes. sure it's the vice president. Anyway, continue. Well, with, uh, I don't know if you caught the rest of the editorial, but they actually asked for Chandler to become president <laughs> and try to remove for his sterling work on uncovering the real Russia conspiracy here. <laughs> and Chandler does want to take your religion and your guns. So, yeah, yeah. so on that part, that. I, I used He's to agree with the president. Ideas. Yeah. <laughs> So a few reactions. We've posted a lot of reactions over at relevantmagazine.com to how people are responding to this. Uh, Franklin Graham, son of Billy, who founded Christianity Today, has become one of Trump's staunchest evangelical supporters. And he expressed his displeasure to the NYT. He said, my father would be embarrassed. It is not going to change anybody's mind about Trump. There's a liberal element within the evangelical movement. Christianity Today represents that. Um, but Lisa Sharon Harper also spoke to the NYT and said that she saw the editorial as a good step forward. She said, quote, the heart of white evangelicalism is realizing that its pulse is weak and there is sickness in the faith. The fact that it took them so long is something they must learn from, but I'm glad that they spoke out. Uh, so many other reactions, both positive yeah. and, and negative that we've posted on relevant. We won't get into them all here, but, uh, but this was, <laughs> This was surprising. We were talking about this a lot before we started. Yeah. And today, I think that I think the big surprise here was the Graham connection. I did not yeah. expect a magazine associated with the Graham family to uh, to to come out with a piece like this. No. Yeah, and the the other thing too is like, uh, you know, Christianity Today, despite what uh, the president insinuated, I don't think anyone would call. Uh, uh, far left. I, I, they, they've been relatively apolitical and, and and have reasonably conservative views on most social issues. I mean, you know, Tyler and I, we, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak too much for you, but we've had a lot of relationships with uh, uh, writers and editors there over the years, and and mm-hmm. and consider them colleagues, and and, and definitely, uh, you know, have admired a lot of the work that they do. But I would not consider them a political. Uh, uh, you know, magazine. And the other, the other element is, you know, we've seen some tweets about, you know, kind of, uh, you know, well, why didn't relevant have a take, which, uh, you know, a, a similar take, which I don't, I don't feel like that's unfair. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I also don't think we've been, um, uh, shy about policies and statements of this administration that we feel like fly directly into the face of the values of Jesus Christ. I mean, uh, if anything, we've, you know, if, you know, had our share of accusations of being, you know, politically left. And I guess, uh, you know, Chandler goes a little further than I would, maybe, but in general, has a lot yeah. of um, <laughs> but in general, very, yeah, I, I, I would even call agree. his far left or far right. They're just far out, uh, frankly, for Chandler. Some of the things he's recommending, no, truly are, homeless are, in terms of political party, are, are frankly shocking, just shocking. And no, but uh, but I mean, you know, I, I feel there the, anytime uh, you, you know we we are an outlet that does. Uh, you know, pretty straightforward reporting. We on this podcast, you know, I, I you know, obviously there's commentary and editorialization of of different news stories, uh, but I feel like we've made our our feelings about many of the policies of this administration pretty clear. Hopefully, um, you know, I, I feel like this was a bold take for Christianity Today, particularly because they are a magazine founded by Billy Graham, and Franklin Graham is one of uh, his staunchest supporters. Um, 
And, and I'm, it, I'm sure this cost them. Uh, I'm sure this was a, th- th- this was this, this, I would imagine this was a risky take, a sacrificial take, uh, making, making people like Franklin Graham, Jerry Falwell, the president of the United States angry. That's, that's not a, that's not an easy thing to do. I would have to imagine that they will lose a lot of supporters over this and maybe gain a few as well, but, but this is a, but it's a costly take. And I, I really applaud them for that. That, that's, that couldn't have been an easy thing to do. Well, especially the other element of this is there are member there are people who serve on their board, including people like Reverend Samuel Rodriguez, who look is a fr- who's been on our podcast and been in our publication yeah. many times, yeah. and uh, I think we agree with him on a lot of issues. I think there are issues we probably disagree with him on. Uh, you know, he's been relatively progressive in his ideas about immigration and the need for immigration reform. There are other political ideas that I'm sure we we don't necessarily agree with him on, but he serves on Christianity Today's board, and he released a statement that he was surprised by the release of this and, and mm-hmm. you know the the tone of his release you know seemed to be expressing some displeasure that this was published in a publication that he serves on the board of the other element of the story is mark galley who is the <clears throat> editor-in-chief over christianity today his tenure uh, is ending in January, if mm-hmm. to my understanding. That's Isn't that right, right Tyler? Yeah, yeah, I believe so, January 3rd, if I remember correctly. And, and there seems to be some indications that the leadership at the publication was not aware that they were, you know, launching this take, that he was personally, you know, doing this editorial, um, which is, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I just think is an interesting element of the story and kind of the background, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes uh, at Uh, at the publication. And um, so that's the other thing that makes this particularly kind of an interesting story and an interesting take. And look, I mean, it drew the, (laughs) it drew criticism from the sitting president (laughs) of the United States. So uh, yeah, yeah. not every day that that you get a, that I've never had a piece shared positive or negative by the president before. Um, Yeah. I I, I think that's all really true. I think it's a, uh, I, I, like I said, I applaud what they did. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't an easy thing to do. Uh, I personally agree with the statement. I, I think it's I think it's the sort of moral clarity that is really valuable to have uh, right now, especially when so much of Christianity is conflated with this presidency to stake yeah. out that counter narrative. There's I think there's real value in that. Um, so uh, so so uh, yeah, good good for them and and to the people responding. There's been a lot of really interesting responses. It's been really cool to see so many people who had really given up on uh, any sort of Christian institution having something like this to say about this presidency. It's been really cool for me to see people who probably wouldn't call themselves Christian necessarily expressing a lot of relief and gratitude for a statement like this. And I know that's really valuable and you can't, uh, can't overstate how important it is to provide uh, provide hope for people who who have got a little cynical about the church because of the politics right now. And, uh, and Chandler, you know, there's going to be other presidents. Yeah. It is interesting, especially, you know, and how this is something we talked about a lot this morning, it, you know, kind of sitting where we do as obviously we're not a political magazine, you know, our, our coverage tend to lead, lend, uh, you know, to more cultural, pop cultural coverage, but, you know, yeah. the, and we are not, and, I think we should say even explicitly evangelical Christina, like Christina today. I think exactly. we are often conflated with it, but we, but we try to, we, we, our coverage, it does go beyond just evangelical 
whatever that word means in 2019, which I know yeah. is a little bit complicated, uh, relevant has never been explicitly evangelical in its coverage. Yeah, we've tried to be home to people from across the spectrum of the big C church, including, uh, you know, people who are, are Catholic or people who may be more progressive, people who may be more conservative. But yeah, we, we tried to be beyond the, you know, quote unquote evangelicalism. And also I think our, you know, we, we make a lot of judgment calls and a lot of our coverage, we've tried not to be overly partisan because we're not, like I said, a political magazine, but, you know, we've, we have, you know, views that I think, uh, would fall in the camp of what would be considered like a conservative view when it comes to something like being pro-life, but also we have a deep concern for the vitriolic rel- uh, uh, rhetoric and, you know, the treatment of immigrants and refugees and just kind of the uh, <clears throat> hypocrisy of uh, what, what's happening right now with a lot of uh, Christians in America. So uh, it's, it's interesting to see Christianity to take today's take. And obviously we'll try to continue uh, to, <clears throat> you know, hopefully cover in a way that's informative uh, issues that should concern Christians when it comes to the intersection of faith and politics, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. So um, I think we got everything we need to say there. We'll keep, we'll keep an eye on the story. I would imagine there'll be some more developments before the end of the day, but, but uh, I think we got, that's about all we can say as of this recording right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's move on to number three then. <laughs> and this is a fun one. Kamel Nagiani is being refreshingly candid about getting in Marvel movie shape. So this was an interesting, this, this happened like three days ago. It feels like four years ago, but Kamel <laughs> obviously has had quite a career from being a slapstick doofus on Silicon Valley to being the writer behind 2017's very good, the big sick. Uh, now he's going to be in next year's Eternals where he'll join the Marvel movie brigade as is par for the course for these actors. That means he had to get himself into superhero shape. He posted a picture of the results and no two ways about it. It's quite a transformation. He's extremely jacked and maybe more interesting for the purposes of this podcast is the caption that went along with it. He wrote, I would not have been able to do this if I didn't have a full year with the best trainers and nutritionists paid for by the biggest studio in the world. I'm glad I look like this, but I also understand why I never did before. It would have been impossible (laughs) without these resources and time. Uh, This is interesting because it does open up a bigger conversation about body issues among men in America. It's really talked about, but men do struggle with it and it's on the rise. Some experts estimate that men have one in four of all the eating disorders in the U.S., as a recent HuffPo article found, in the same way that girls are more likely to consider themselves overweight, even when they are underweight, studies have shown that boys are more likely to perceive themselves as underweight, even if they're actually overweight. Just like kids with anorexia, boys suffering from muscle dysmorphia will engage in extreme behaviors to reach their goals. Researchers cite the increasing musculature of toys like G.I. Joe as part of the culprit, as well as the growing dominance of action heroes. Um, the prevalence of unrealistic body types isn't nearly as prevalent for boys as it is for women, of course, but it is a growing problem and one America is ill-equipped to navigate. But part of that navigation will be helped by these stars being open and honest about this part of their job. Hopefully, non-Jani's transparency can help set a new way forward for these conversations. Yeah, I, the the pictures of uh, of Kamel and Johnny are. Uh, I mean, if if you've seen him in like Silicon Valley, I mean, it was shocking. He he is yeah. shredded, but uh, his he looks his, like a different person. 
Yeah, and we talked to this on daily. I think it was last week about you know the, Rob McElhinney from Always Sunny. Y- you know the body yeah. transformation is uh, and body dysmorphia, particularly among men, is has been a theme of that show for a long time. Particularly his character Mac, and in a recent season, he got in you know pretty ridiculously shredded shape, but did a similar post, and it's like. You know, it, it took the studio funding his, you know, nutritionist and working out three times a day and, and these insane measures that no normal person could or should take uh, uh, for the sake of the character uh, to kind of highlight how unrealistic it is to try to model uh, or, or aspire to to something like this that the, these actors undertake to try to give yeah. somewhat of a healthy perspective on it, you know. Yeah, and I, I think that that's a uh, it's it's always interesting to see these like it was just a few years ago and Chris Pratt went from being the kind of uh, schlubby guy on Parks and Rec to these those pictures started circulating of him yeah. getting in Star Lord shape and it's wild that they can do this and it's I think from a certain perspective it can even be kind of inspiring if you're looking to you know if you're looking for some New Year's goals like oh I could try to like. I, I I like I like hitting the gym could hit and hit the gym a little more. I understand how it could do that, but I think it can also set up just like a compl- an unrealistic goal that if going to the gym isn't your nine to five that's being funded by Disney of all places. Uh, finding understanding how unrealistic that is and finding more realistic goals is uh, is really really helpful. So increasing yeah. that conversation for men and women is good. It was cool to see. It was really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A, a, yeah, a refreshing uh, kind of take from from him. Not, not just For gloating sure. about getting in shape, but but highlighting how you know unhealthy it can be to aspire to that without you know the right perspective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number two this week, a Bethel worship leader calls on prayers to resurrect her young daughter. Okay, so Callie Helegenthal is a worship leader for Bethel Church, whose young daughter, Olive, tragically and suddenly passed away over the weekend. Helegenthal and her husband, Andrew, took to Instagram to ask the church to pray that Olive be brought back to life. Helegenthal noted that Olive had been pronounced dead by doctors. She wrote on Instagram, we are asking for bold, unified prayers from the global church to stand with us in belief that he will raise this little girl back to life. Her time here is not done. And it is our time to believe boldly and with confidence wield what King Jesus paid for. It's time for her to come back to life. Many worship leaders joined her, pledging their support over social media, including the official accounts of Bethel Church and Jesus Culture, along with Carrie Job, Brooke Ligertwood, Brian Johnson, and Amanda Lindsay Cook. A GoFundMe has been started to help the Heligenthal family through this tragedy. There have been no other updates just yet. Um, we want to be really careful here. This is obviously an extremely sensitive and, and just such a sad story. Yeah. And, and we certainly do. We, we have a lot of love for everybody over at Bethel and, and are, are certainly are praying for, for what a, what an awful loss this is. Yeah. And, and, and listen, I, I, I commend the boldness of, of, the, that that whole church and that whole community for being willing to pray for something as miraculous as a resurrection. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I think that is personally, I, I think that's a powerful example to a lot of Christians. And, you know, it kind of goes back to the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego thing where as they're standing in the fire, uh, you know, th- you know, being essentially executed for their beliefs, 
they said God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we won't, we won't disbelieve. Mm -hmm. So no matter what the outcome of, of this tragedy is, you know, they're, they're standing in faith. And I think that's a powerful, powerful thing. Tyler, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on this situation? I, I agree. The, the boldness is uh, boldness in prayer is, is commendable. And, and we've, we've talked about this before, written about this. We, we, we believe in a, we believe in a God who can do these things. We really do. I understand the criticism that I've seen in response to this. And I think that there is a form that, that, uh, movements like this can take that makes it uh, actually harder to deal with the reality of grief and loss and pain uh, that is that is very much a part of of our lives and, and part of the world that we live in. Uh, I think that sometimes these campaigns do become a way that that uh, of, of sort of avoiding those things and trying to stay away from those things. I can't speak into the heart of what's going on with the Halaganthal. I, I don't know, I, you know, so I'm not going to pretend to be aware of of their uh, of their motives here and what they are or are not facing or, or grappling with. That, that's not my place. I know that's a real uh, it's a real risk, but uh, but I, I don't I don't know I don't know. I've I've never lost a child. I'm not a parent. But I mean, listen, grief and faith for miraculous can coexist before Jesus raised Lazarus for the dead. He grieved him. He grieved, you know, yeah, like yeah. He, he, he wept when he heard that his friend had died, but he yeah, still yeah, performed yeah. a Absolutely. resurrection, you know, and you know, I, I've, I've, I, I, you guys know me. I, I, I don't talk a lot about my personal life or my past, but I, I've thought about this story a lot and I prayed for their family a lot this week. And I was kind of hesitant to even share this, but y you know, when I was, uh, when I was young, uh, I lost an older brother when we were children and he was suffering from a long-term illness. And, um, you know, my mother would pin a mustard seed onto his pajamas every night and as a sign of faith, as this is how, you know, we believe in, in, in God's capability of healing. And, you know, it was a symbolic thing. And he ended up, you know, he, he passed away when we were children. And I, I've thought a lot about that throughout my life. Um, and I don't think it is any sort of, um, you know, failure of God. I think that that show of faith is still powerful. And no matter what happens in this situation, I commend them for their faith and for believing in the miraculous power of God. And that, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, sometimes God does or doesn't do things and we might not understand why, but we, you know, we're taught to believe in, in his nature and that, you know, healing and resurrection will happen, whether it's in our understanding in this life or whether it's in the life that we're promised that it is to come. And so it's, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's a tragic situation, but I think the prayers for impossible things are powerful, even if they don't, even if they aren't answered in the way that we, they th we think they should be. Um, mm. So, you know, I think, you know, we joined that whole community in, uh, praying for the family, and like I said, I I, I personally commend th their faith in this, and it's 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 a difficult, hard thing, um, 
and 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 sometimes we don't understand why things happen, but we do understand, you know, the God we serve. And so, man, it, you know, I I join them in prayers, and you know, it's it's a uh, it's it's difficult, but also I think exemplary, in my opinion, of 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 a boldness in faith. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for sharing all that. Jesse, I know it's a, it's a really personal and, yeah, and, and not and, an easy and, thing and, to talk about. And, 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 I, and I don't share that to make this story about me. I hope it doesn't come across. Oh, of like course that. not. Uh, but no, but, but ju- just, just to uh, more or less as a, as a testimony of solidarity with, you know, faith. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that God won't answer their prayers in the way that they want him to God, I believe God can and does perform miracles, you know, but Mm -hmm. I, I also think sometimes, um, you know, we don't know what those miracles look like and that no matter what the outcome is, you know, God is good. But uh, again, I I don't say that to say, I don't believe that God can perform a a miracle. I I believe he can, I I don't know what the outcome Mm -hmm. will be, but I think God, uh, you know, is powerful and he calls us to pray for boldly for powerful things, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I do think it's important to remember here is, is, and I think there's, there's obviously all kinds of views around these types of prayers and these types of praying for healing and what that means. And we understand that. One thing I do think it's important that I say that, that we definitely hold relevant. And I, I, and I think that, that Jesse, I think I can say this and Chandler as well. Uh, we do not believe that when these prayers are, are not answered, that is not a on the fault of the person praying that is not a lack of faith or or praying the wrong way. We we do not uh, believe that any sort of prosperity type prayer in, in something like this. So we believe that God does things for his own ways. And, and I I do not want to uh, suggest or would want anybody to think that there is any sort of uh, that, that, that God rewards prayers for people uh, who pray a certain way, like a magic spell. That's, that's not how this, how this works. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really damaging theology to that is often spread. And it's not one that we subscribe to at all. And, 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 and I'll say this just to add to that, Tyler, to the, the you know, the reason the, the only, it, because you guys, I feel like, no, I, I don't share a lot about my personal life, but you know, the only reason I share that is, is hopefully as an encouragement because you know, what, what happened in, in my past and my family's past has, has shaped my faith greatly and has taught me a lot about God and his nature and his grace. And I still believe in the power of God. I still believe in the power of healing. I still believe he calls us to bold prayers. And I, but I also believe that, you know, no matter how God answers prayers, that he is still good. And yeah, yeah. and as you, as you said, Tyler, it, you know, it, 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 the, the, the outcome of the situation is not a reflection of, uh, of, uh, of any degree of faith. It's a, it's a reflection of, you know, living in a world that is, is complicated and that, you know, we're called to pray that God's kingdom comes and that we aren't living in, you know, the perfect state that God has intended, but we are called to believe for it and we are called to fight for it. And uh, I think those are those are are, are wise words, Tyler. And we will uh, and we we will uh, 
uh, continue to, to watch this story. And, and obviously, anybody who does want to donate to the family, there's a link to their GoFundMe over on relevantmagazine.com. And we encourage you to do that. Um, finally, in a, in a little more of an uplifting story than the ones we've talked about so far in this, uh, in this hot list, number one this week, Jamie Foxx. Uh, who's the star, obviously, of uh, of Just Mercy, which is coming out pretty soon here, talks about why he thinks the church should be more loving, inclusive, and unifying. So Fox, star of the upcoming film Just Mercy, which tells the true story, justice system reform advocate and devout Christian Brian Stevenson. Leading up to the release, Fox sat down with the Christian Post to discuss his own background with faith, why the movie has such an important message, and why he believes the church needs to be more inclusive. Fox said that growing up, he went to church every day and was heavily influenced by his grandmother, who encouraged him to seek authentic faith, even though he often saw how judgmental some Christians could be. He said, quote, what I found odd, though, the people that went to church treated me bad exactly when I would go on the other side of the tracks. These people that went to church and taught us the Bible called me the N-word, right? Treated me bad, ran me across the tracks. In my mind, I thought, yo, something is off because if there is a heaven, I ain't hanging out with them. So they're going to have to be separate in my heaven because I don't want to be around people that called me these things. These experiences shaped how he views faith as an adult. Now he says he holds church at his own home and invites people from all backgrounds to experience community and God's love. He said, I've always had this vision and I've done it in certain things where I have people come to my house and we have church at my house, not shown on television or anything like that. But my idea is that at a certain point, black church, white church, Hispanic, everybody goes to church together. I think when that very religion, which is supposed to take us to a beautiful place, becomes a tool to divide, that's where you just sort of leave people disillusioned. He also said that Just Mercy is the most important film he's ever been a part of because of how it shows the need for real reforms in the justice system. Jimmy Fox seems like a, a pretty pretty good guy, man. I've always had a lot of respect for him, and I like his take there too. Like, you know, yeah, I do the, too. The, the, that you know, it is ironic that <laughs> the church often casts people out when they need when they need the church the most. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's when oh, yeah. people are struggling. How many times or, have we heard or, the story? Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's like, hey man, I, <laughs> I I I'm struggling here. Why are you guys turning your back on me? You know, like that's what the church is for. So people going through that. So it it was an interesting take, and also I I, I think the whole telling Brian Stevenson's story is super important. And uh, you know, I think we that can book is definitely encourage super people cool. to see this one. So super cool. And, uh, and if you're, if you're fans of relevant magazine and, and like listening to this, you might be hearing some of our, some, uh, some conversations with people involved in that movie as well here in the near future. Uh, we won't give too much away yeah. for now, but that, but I'm, I'm really, really excited about this. I've, I've been a fan of this book for a long time, a huge fan of Stevenson's work. And, and, uh, honestly can't wait to see the movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that will wrap it up for this week's. It's a Stay with us. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Jonathan Price joins us. Listening to Scared to Death by Kay Trinata. Scared to Death. 
is how I felt when I dove into Chandler's thread. <laughs> it was it was radical. It was concerning, and started off on the right side. I haven't slept. I haven't slept since I. It, yeah, it started off pretty conventional. Um, when ten percent of the things in this Twitter in, that are true, we don't. We then then the the Earth is. It's time to abandon ship. <laughs> when, when, when when he got into the portion that is manifesto time, that's when I got concerned. Um, you know, when, um, his policies on 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 for some reason nuking other planets uh, just to see what would happen. Um, so a lot of resources you're you're suggesting we do that with. Uh, he wanted to populate the moon with uh, with woolly mammoths that we bring back for reasons that are never made clear in the manifesto and uh, had a lot of more questions than concerns, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. So we love you, Chandler. Uh, we, we do love you. We, we obviously did not necessarily condone, condone all of the, all of the content in that Twitter thread. Just uh, there, nor do we mean. recommend that everybody read it to children for sure. Uh, people with heart conditions. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would advise you to seek a doctor or seek, seek some medical uh, professionals advice before diving in, because there are some truly shocking uh, stunning, even disgusting, I would say. Yeah, the portion where you suggested tunneling to the core of the earth because you believe there are giant lobster people down there. I that's where I felt like I don't know if anyone's going to get behind this, but uh, but you know, I mean, like I said, it's a matter of opinion. That come, that's, that's not until like tweet like one thousand two hundred and seventy or so. So if people even stick with it, yeah. When when when, when you suggested when you suggested that uh, schools stop teaching math, um, uh, it, it it was uh, you lost me a little. But uh, I hated math, so sure, why not? You know, we don't need it anymore. Okay. Well, Jonathan Price is a Welsh actor known for his roles in Tomorrow Never Dies, Pirates of the Caribbean, The New World, The Age of Innocence, and his long-standing performance as the High Sparrow in Game of Thrones. He now stars in Netflix's The Two Popes, playing Pope Francis in a movie about the papal transition from Pope Benedict. I recently spoke with Jonathan about the difficulty of playing Pope Francis, his own feelings about the Catholic Church, and whether or not playing someone like Francis makes you a better person. Uh, I was really, uh, I was really smitten with this movie. It, it's the trailer. I don't think did it a lot of justice. It has kind of a the trailer has kind of a stuffy tone. It has kind of like a important required reading vibe to it. But it's a very like winsome, charming, even very funny movie. Almost a buddy comedy about these two, this odd couple of of Pope. Francis, played by Jonathan Price here, Pope Benedict, played by Anthony Hopkins, and how they don't really get along on anything, have two very different views about the church and the world, uh, and how they have to learn to sort of get along and figure out the transition of powers. It's really thoughtful, and I, I'd really recommend it to you. I, I enjoyed it, I would say, even more than I thought it would. So when I spoke to Jonathan, I was curious about uh, the just the opportunity of playing somebody like Pope Francis. Uh, is I wonder if it's kind of hard to play somebody who people have such strong ideas about, uh, who obviously is an extremely public, well-known figure. Uh, I didn't know if he was excited about that opportunity or if he was he found it sort of challenging and unnerving. Here's what he said. I wasn't immediately excited because it, there's, uh, you could only see the problems at that time that this might throw up. Um, 
huge issues to, to deal with, obviously, about uh, not just religion, but the politics of the church. And, um, you know, I, I thought, well, I could be on hiding to nothing about portraying Francis. I would, uh, you know, neither please nor displease all the people all the time. Um, but the, once uh, I'm reading the script and knowing that the, the sort of the issues that are in the public consciousness at the moment with the the, the sexual abuse issues um, and uh, the priesthood um, celibacy and whether there's you know all those issues um, they they're dealt with in the script and uh, in a way that um, was you know. It, it, I think things, as far as Benedict were concerned, are touched on lightly. I mean, it's, it's essentially two men making a confession to each other. It's true that they do. This doesn't avoid the issues that the Catholic Church has had to deal with over the past couple of years. And I think one of the things that I appreciated about it is how it managed to do that in a way that was very sensitive without ever getting terribly preachy. And uh, and I think that was probably very difficult to do. And the script handles it quite well. Because the, the, the film mainly is is about the relationship between uh, Benedict and Francis, right? I mean, I, you know, it, it's sort of... Not, I, I not like a buddy comp. I haven't seen it yet. I know you, you've had the opportunity to, but it's sort of almost like a buddy company comedy, sort of exploring this very unique, complicated relationship. Not so much about the mm-hmm. politics of the church, right? Right, Tyler. That's that's correct, and I think that. I was surprised. I, I spoke. We'll, be, we'll play this interview at a later date, but I spoke with the director as well, who said that when he first entered into this, he imagined this would be a movie about uh, bad Pope Benedict and good Pope Francis, and and sort of a, a more standard hero villain movie. And the more he looked into it, the more he realized it, it wasn't quite that simple. Uh, he he found it to be much more. He found a much more nuanced take on it, although everybody involved that I spoke to definitely spoke very admiringly of, of Francis. So I asked uh, I asked Jonathan what he really felt like after playing this. What are the real differences they found personally between Benedict and Francis, and how did those come out in the movie? I think what we both wanted to present were two, two characters that uh, for a while existed on a page. And when you approach, when I approach a character anyway, whatever it is, fictional or real life, I try not to be, in my performance, to be judgmental, to make judgments about them, and to be, and let the audience uh, make their minds up uh, what they think about the people. You know, because I think it's quite rare in life that you, unless <laughs> you're having a, an interview over a phone, that you're being judgmental about what you're saying and how you're saying it and wary of how you're saying it. You just say it. And um, and it, it's spontaneous, you know, and I think that's what uh, both of us wanted to, to bring out, the spontaneity of this these discussions. That was uh, something that I've heard from a lot of actors I talked to recently about the challenge of of trying to find a not seeing the character you're playing as good or bad any more than we see ourselves as good or bad, yeah. uh, but just trying to find something that's really honest about them, and and that's what it the, certainly did with uh, with Francis. I also wanted to know uh, when it comes to playing somebody like Pope Francis, if that does a number on you like does that does it is it a challenge or does it kind of leave you different to 
play somebody who's uh, so famously such a nice, compassionate, caring individual, if, that, if that's challenging, not just to play, but also for wh- what you're like when you go home, when you stop acting. Here's what he said. You choose these roles because you, you want to learn from them. And uh, the great thing about Francis is, is when you when you have that empathy with, with a person, it uh, it reinforces you know, what you think and how you feel about uh, society. And um, yeah, so you do take a bit. You, obviously, you do take away a bit. And I, I I'm glad of it. I, I I've turned down roles in the past where they were you know, outwardly evil or Nazis or, you know, those extreme characters because I didn't want to be them for a couple of months. And um, I'd rather choose characters that were more optimistic. Mm -hmm. I thought that was I thought that was super cool. I think it's super interesting. You you take characters because you you want to learn something from them. Yeah. And especially when you look at the characters he's played, I mean, you know, you're going from a character on Game of Thrones to the Pope, uh-huh. you know, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. showing that sort of, uh, um, you know, not just diversity of, of your ability as an actor, but as sort of a curious mind. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, a lot of people, at, you know, ask, I've talked to people who are trying to get into uh, uh, writing and journalism and, you know, they ask me kind of what they what, in my opinion, makes like a, a, a good writer. And I think this uh, to some degree to underscore what Jonathan is saying there is I think the number one thing is curiosity, right? Yeah. Like you can learn yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of other skills, like you can learn technique, you can learn how to write, but you, you can't teach someone to be curious about something. And I think what he's kind of saying there uh, is, you know, wanting to get into the head of someone who's an interesting figure. I think I, that's. That that I think translates in the the, the clips from the film I've shown uh, the authenticity of the performances. It's a genuine embrace of who they think these two men in extremely unique circumstances are. And to your point, I, I then asked. I was curious about his own religious experience. Uh, was his interest in this movie religious, or, or was it something broader than that? Uh, he had some interesting comments. He was. I appreciated how open he was telling me about his own faith. You know, I'm not a Catholic, I was, but I was brought up in the Christian faith. So I was, uh, you know, I went to chapel in Wales until I was a, a, a teenager. And then like many teenagers, uh, walked away from it. But, uh, and popes in the past, you know, I, I've known, I've been aware of them, um, but never as aware, I, as aware of a pope as I am of Francis. Um, and I, I think that's you know that's why he was elected pope to make that connection with uh, with people Catholics and non Catholics. So super cool, and that was really everybody's attitude that I spoke to about this movie was an extreme amount of respect for Francis, who even though I don't think I talked to anybody who would call themselves a, a Catholic for sure, possibly not even a Christian, but they all said that Pope Francis made them want to be or or, or made them admire the Catholic faith, which is a real testament to his uh, the past couple of years of him leading the church. Yeah, well. Uh 
it's uh it's out on Netflix this weekend, right, Tyler? That's correct. Yeah, it's coming out on Netflix, and I and uh, I would advise. I, I really do think that whatever your relationship with the church, with Catholicism, uh, with this Pope, uh, I, it's hard to imagine somebody not enjoying it because it is very fun and very winsome and extremely thoughtful. And I think that Jonathan's this is now the second act that I've talked to in the last couple of weeks who I think is a real contender for one of the best performances of the year. Uh, Price's performance here is just excellent, really, really great. And I hope he. I hope the Academy recognizes him uh, when award season comes out because it's great. It's really good. Remind me again, who's the other actor you talked to recently that you think is in contention? Uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. in Waves, who I also thought was one of the better performances that I saw this year. Tyler, you've been been just on the circuit uh, leading up to award season. I mean, you're talking to all the contenders. And like I said, next week, you're talking to Greta Gerwig. It's yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Also, absolutely one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah. And what a what a run. Uh, Netflix is on right now. Like, no you know, kidding, Netflix was, uh, was you know, I think leading up to th- this year, honestly, I mean, last year they had, they've had Roma, they've had Beasts of the Nation. They've had a couple of prestige films. Uh, there's no question. I'm not trying to take anything away from Mudbound, you know, a couple of, but I think the, the general, I, you know, thought with like Netflix originals and Netflix original series was they were sort of uh, kind of B-level you know, uh, but yeah, this yeah, year, I sure. mean, they're on a run right now. I mean, like I said, there were obviously some outliers, but they're on a run right now. Uh, you know, they have Noah Baumbach's marriage story. They have two popes, which is in legit award season contention f- uh, across the board. Um, you know, Six Underground, that Ryan Reynolds movie, the Michael Bay <laughs> is bonkers. And I cannot imagine that it costs less than half a billion dollars because I didn't even, I watched a little of it the other night. And in the first 10 minutes, there are like 25 cars that explode in a replica <laughs> of a museum in Florence, Italy. Like, I mean, Netflix seems like they're legitimately doing a level work now uh, consistently, you know. And this, not to mention uh, the Irishman, which is a legit best yeah, picture. I can say, like that, it could very. It's Martin Scorsese for crying out loud. Uh, so I, yeah. I think that yeah, Netflix is really. I, I know that Disney Plus pulled a lot of their customer base away, or, or so the estimates read. But I think that if you're leaving Netflix, you're missing out on some real top of the year type work from from them. And I'm excited to see what they come out with next year too. Yeah, including two popes with uh, Jonathan Pierce. I I appreciate him being on the show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're going to take another break. When we come back, uh, Highlands Worship is going to join us. over a million children trapped in the darkness of sexual slavery. Destiny Rescue is a Christian-based organization dedicated to rescuing these kids and helping them stay free. Girls like Tala, who once was a worship leader, became trapped and sold for sex. All seemed hopeless, yet she still prayed for a way out. Then one night, she was found by a Destiny Rescue agent. Our rescue agents are relentlessly seeking, finding, and rescuing brave individuals around the world 
through a variety of rescue tactics. We help survivors let go of traumatic past through individual aftercare plans and empower them to live out their God-given destinies. Today, Tala is going to college and getting a communications degree. She's earning a safe living and has even returned as a worship leader in her church. She has found hope, worth, and restoration in the light of Jesus Christ. You can be a light and reach the next child waiting in the darkness at destinyrescue.org. listening to Born in Bethlehem by Highlands Worship. Well, Highlands Worship has released a brand new collection of songs called Shine Heaven's Light, a Christmas EP. We recently spoke with the bands Bethany Phillips and Marquita Anthony about some of the EP's most powerful songs that deserve a spot on your Christmas playlist. My Christmas playlist is ready, Jesse. Sell me, sell me on right, some well, of these new it's songs. Need, all right, all right. I'll let I'll let uh, Bethany Marquita uh, uh, do some help here because what I I, I liked about this uh, a record like I, this is similar to what we were talking about Lecrae I guess last week is fresh takes on classic songs and there's a there's a couple on here that you've heard before but you haven't heard like this before um, and the, the approach they they took to this album is they you know performed it live with like some really crazy production elements like a, you know, an elevating drum kit this crazy light setup they'll, the, they'll talk about the you'll hear them reference the drum thing um, but one of the songs I want to ask about was O Come O Come Emmanuel you know th- this song this album is very very celebratory, which I think is fun. Um, and, uh, but also, uh, has a degree of reverence. And so I wanted to talk to them about, you know, how they create a fresh take on something that we've all are familiar with, but maybe not familiar with this sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's them talking about, Oh, come, Oh, come Emmanuel. I mean, thinking about the word Emmanuel is just God with us. Mm-hmm. And so just saying, Oh, come, Oh, come Emmanuel, being able to look at it, that framework and then, particularly when we got to do this song live, um, watching even as the drum flakes, if you will, <laughs> ascend from, there's almost that visual element to it as well. Like, you know, those things coming down and being able to really, I mean, the song itself is just incredibly well-written and done. And then the team took it and, and took it next level. It's obviously we're, we're biased to that, but that's kind of what we feel they did. And, um, but yeah, I think just the whole idea of being able to take these songs that we have sung our entire lives. If you've grown up anywhere around just the element of Christmas, yeah, you don't even have to be in church. You just turn on the TV. Um, but being able to do that and give them a little bit more in, in some of these takes, there there are visuals that are just incredible that that have happened. But giving people an opportunity to reminisce and remember those, but hear them in a fresh way, has yeah. been. It's always super special around the season of Christmas. Here is a clip of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. 
they also they also another one tyler for yeah. for for the christmas playlist I, I, I as you dropped that one on mine so keep keep them coming as you are uh covering every inch of the roof of your home with gaudy christmas lights <laughs> pumping music through your airpods uh and uh you know chandler as you are uh every square inch of your front yard and driveway are with snoopy riding harley davidson uh in santa hat inflatables um, oh, yeah. something, something to start piping through the AirPods is their take on joy to the world, which, as they described, uh, was cool because the the idea of joy and this kind of spirit of celebration and being joyful was actually a theme for their church for the whole year. So it was kind of rewarding to be able to put it out a Christmas album that came out, you know, kind of late in the year. And, and here's them discussing it. I think joy to the world is just uh, again, it really, honestly falls back into the same place of O Come O Come Emmanuel. Like those are just such recognizable songs yeah. for us around here at our at our local church at Church of the Highlands. Um, this whole theme this past year has been has been joy, and so to be able to to have that theme come incredibly huge with joy to the world at Christmas, yeah. you know. And really almost starting off our year um, in that way, Joy to the World is really probably an anthem around here, if anything, because of just the idea of we want people to know God and find freedom and discover their purpose and make a difference. This whole this whole kind of mantra that we have as a local church and joy being the center of that because that's who God is and what He wants in our lives. And here is a clip of Joy to the World. He rules the world with truth and grace. Chandler, as I know, you're in pretty um, uh, fierce competition with the neighbors on your block to, for who has the best Christmas light display. As you are stealing a nativity scene, as you are vandalizing someone's outdoor Christmas tree display, you need some tunes to be cranking to show that you have the best uh, Christmas yard in the neighborhood. Uh, so what a better one uh, to crank through then let there be peace. <laughs> let there be peace from Highlands Worship. Because as they come storming out of their house while you're running down the road with two very expensive light-up reindeer, you'll be shouting, let there be peace! Let there be peace! Don't hurt me! Don't hurt me! And you drop them and run into the woods. Uh, that, let this be cranking through your iPads. Uh, uh, let there be peace. Here is Highlands Worship talking about it. And I apologize for Highlands for that intro to it. Let there be peace, man. It's just an incredible, again, it just kind of flows into that whole theme and of who we are. And what we try to be here is just that that place of just saying, hey, um, just giving people a, a refuge. Our pastor talks a lot about our home church being uh, just a place where people can come in and take a breath um, and remember that they're valued and that they're loved. And um, just including something like this, let there be peace in the midst of that, knowing not to be super um, waxing poetic about it, but just the whole idea of what we look at when we look outside of the world and not that when you come into the building, it's any different, but when we set our hearts into Jesus and what he's done, there is that peace. So honestly, being able to just declare with some fun to it, let there be peace in the world. I think that's just a huge statement. Right. Just the lyrics, it's a big, fun piece. You get to have a lot of time, a lot of fun with it. Um, where the 
where the title of the album comes from. So it's just one of those songs. Of course, it had to be added. The EP, once again, is Shine Heaven's Light, a Christmas EP. You can check it out now. That's super cool. And I I appreciate your additions to my Christmas playlist, Jesse. Honestly, it's just, been Mariah. it's just been Mariah for the for the last three weeks. So I really needed something to switch it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's, uh, as, I mean, that's we've all been there. We've all been there, Tyler. <laughs> With that, I think it's time to wrap it up for us. Hey, many thanks to Jonathan Price for taking the time to talk to us. Two Popes hits Netflix. You should absolutely go check that one out. Also, Highlands Worship. Thanks to those ladies for joining us, talking to us about their new EP, Shine Heaven's Light, a Christmas EP. Uh, that's super, super cool as well. Prayers up for prop. Uh, we hope you start feeling better, man. Sorry you couldn't join us today. You'd obviously have a lot to add to the conversation. We'll try and get you next time. And don't forget, next week, only one episode. We're only going to have one podcast episode next week, but it's going to be a good one. You won't want to miss it. A special Christmas, our post-Christmas bonanza to help you ease out of the ease out of the Christmas season and into the new year. Uh, and make sure that while, as long as you're on our Apple podcast page, head over and subscribe to Relevant Daily. So we talk about the top Three news stories at the intersection of faith and culture every single day brought to you by me. We're, uh, we're, that's always a really fun one to do. I think it's pretty insightful. And, uh, I think, I think, you know, we have to edit out some of the more radical takes from certain members of relevant staff. We don't need to name <laughs> any names, but there is, but. But it's curated. It's curated. And, and Chandler, I, I I think now I think now's the right time to announce that uh, Chandler has long served as our illustrious producer on this pod. But I've just gotten a text from him informing me he is the new editor in chief of Christianity Today magazine. Congratulations, <laughs> Chandler! Oh, congratulations! Well deserved. Thanks. Congratulations. I. I'm also seeing on Twitter the president of the United States is very unhappy about your new job. But uh, <laughs> hey, you know, it's new things coming in 2020. He appears to think your name is Chancester. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but he's probably always, for the best. Probably for the he, best. Yeah, he's always ca- he's he's misspelled your name, but he's called you Lion Chandler Strand. And so, uh, Lion uh, Lion Chancester. <laughs> he is calling you he's calling you uh very extremely far left progressive i don't i would quibble with that i i think that progressive or conservative isn't really even quite the right uh it's not the right axis to be talking about your politics chandler yeah. <laughs> and 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 i'm looking at this tweet twitter thread live and chandler just replied to the president with that antonio banderas gif and so we're off to a great end to 2019 yeah this is good yeah Congrats, this is how we we'll close out the year close out the year we're gonna miss you around here chandler obviously but but you but, but christianity today has got a real got a new winner it's pilot that uh, into the next yeah, christianity I'm sure, tomorrow i'm sure i'm sure yeah <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure franklin graham's just thrilled about all of this <laughs> <laughs> all right um, we'll wrap it up then i'm tyler huckabee i'm Chandler string i'm jesse carey <laughs> merry christmas everybody have a great week merry christmas we'll everyone
for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Let there be peace. Let there be peace. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Relevant Podcast Network.